our next speaker. A man that needs very little introduction, as I'm sure all of you know him already. Matthew is a Brewers' Cup champion. He's also a Coffee and Good Spirits champion. A World Barista Championship finalist, 2011. A World Barista Championship finalist, 2013. Charming, charismatic, interesting. I hate him. <laughs> Please, a huge round of applause for Matt Perger. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks. Ni hao. Okay, so today I want to talk to you about uh, a little bit of uh, technical things. So we're going to um, zoom in on some uh, really finely focused coffee extraction science. We're going to get a little bit geeky. And then we're also going to zoom out to the greater scheme of things, so how that affects the, the world coffee chain. Um, most of the time we like to think of the coffee production chain as starting on the right at the farm and then it always travels towards, uh, or starting on the left and traveling towards the right. So it, what happens at the farm happens and then it's locked away, it's in concrete, and then we move down the chain towards the roasters and the baristas. But today I'd like to talk to you about how focusing on our techniques and our methods at the roaster and barista end of the spectrum can actually affect everything else that's going on in the world. Now, personally, I'm a brown coffee guy, Mr. Brown Coffee. Um, I work at the roasting and the barista end of the chain. I don't know much about green coffee. Um, I've been to a few different countries um, and bought some green coffee and visited farms, but that's not my focus. My focus is on roasting, extraction, and everything that comes after the coffee becomes brown. Now, if you uh, have questions, you can ask Aida and Kim about all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I only know very little about the green coffee chain. Um, but um, I like to think that at that end of the spectrum, there's enough to concentrate on for a whole lifetime. Um, I'm going to leave that other stuff to the experts and keep focusing on extraction and roasting and things like that because there's a whole world of uh, things to discover and we're nowhere near done yet. Now, there's gonna be a few problems coming up in the world. Um, as uh, you're going to learn from Kim, there's uh, a lot of issues to do with sustainability of coffee at the moment, where we're going to face some challenges very soon um, with the supply of coffee around the world um, diminishing, and potentially diminishing, and the um, consumption of coffee increasing a lot. Um, one of the major problems that I heard when I was at Origin um, is that global warming is going to force the best coffees to move up the mountains. So as the temperature increases, uh, the best coffee is going to have to be grown higher and higher at higher altitudes all around the world. Now, um, I'm no expert on mountains 
or anything like that. But what I do understand is that as you go up mountains, there's a lot less mountain to plant coffee on. It gets a lot smaller as you go up. There isn't much of this planet that exists at that 2,000 meters above sea level and above. So the area that we can grow really good coffee is diminishing. Now, next is there's a lot of countries around the world that are starting to discover coffee. Um, one of the most important ones is going to be China. Um, if everyone in China starts to really get into coffee, or in all of these other populated countries like India, China, um, Taiwan as well, I'm sure you have a very strong tea drinking culture, and that's shifting quite heavily towards coffee. If all of these countries all start drinking coffee, the demand is going to skyrocket, but we can't just grow more coffee to keep up with that demand. Now, at the moment, if you average out the consumption in China, each human in China is only drinking 20 grams of coffee per year. So that's one espresso. Now, if a significant proportion of those people start to drink coffee, that demand is going to explode. Now, another problem is one that I noticed when I was in Kenya earlier this year, and that is that a lot of the children of the current generation of coffee farmers don't want to continue growing coffee. They want to move from their farms to the cities and work in um, technology or new, newer businesses, more um, futuristic kind of um, things that the kids think are cool these days. And uh, a lot of the farms are being abandoned. And not only does that mean that the farm isn't producing coffee anymore to keep up with this demand, but their children are moving to the city and drinking coffee at their desk job. So they're not making it, and now they're drinking it. And there seems to be quite a strong trend here. So I think it's safe to say that amongst these three small issues and many, many others all around the world, that our supply of coffee is not going to be as plentiful as it always has been and that the demand of coffee is going to go up. So I would like to propose uh, something that we can all do to help secure that. Um, and it's something that any barista can do. So this talk is about to change. We're going to leave the world behind and we're going to focus down into extraction and science for a second. So um, how many of you in the audience have used or have a coffee refractometer uh, that measures the TDS of coffee? Could you put up your hands and then I can sort of gauge what's going on? All right. That's pretty good. So. Um, a lot of baristas around the world are starting to measure um, the extraction of their coffee. So what that is, is a measurement of how much coffee flavor you've taken out of the bean and brought with you into the cup. So regular coffee can be extracted anywhere from zero up to 30%. So if you have 10 grams of coffee, that means that you've taken three grams at maximum, three grams of flavor with you with the water. That's 30% extraction. Now, if you think of instant coffee, that's 100% extraction because all of the coffee has dissolved into the water. Now, you can have more extraction and it starts to taste a little bit too bitter and a bit rough, or you can go backwards and have not enough extraction and then it starts to taste sour 
and um, a bit weird. So we're always looking for the correct extraction, the sweet spot in the middle of all of those numbers. But um, unfortunately, it's not that easy. Um, most of the coffee around the world is extracted somewhere between 18 and 22%. That's the vast majority of coffees that are brewed at homes, in cafes, um, your capsule or pod coffees, they're all sitting in that range somewhere. So there's actually a little bit of coffee left that we're not actually extracting. Now, but that doesn't mean that the coffee that we're not extracting tastes good. I'm sure all of you have tasted an espresso where the machine ran a little bit too long or a filter coffee, a pour over, where the time was a little bit too long and the flavor isn't so great. So we all know that extracting more from a coffee doesn't always make it taste better. But there is one way that you can make a coffee taste better while also extracting more from it. And that's by brewing the coffee more evenly. Now, you can make a coffee with a lower extraction and if you want to have a certain strength from that cup of coffee, you need to use a certain amount of coffee. Now, if you extract more from those beans, if you want to have the same strength in that cup of coffee, you don't need to use as much coffee grinds. So you can kind of think of it like being more efficient or less efficient. You can get more coffee flavor out of the beans and achieve the same strength cup of coffee, or you can get less out of more beans and still get the same strength cup of coffee. And this is a really powerful concept because being more or less efficient allows us to play with some um, really important numbers. But like I said before, just extracting more from your coffee doesn't taste good. So we need to think about how even that extraction is. Now, every extraction that has ever happened, every cup of coffee any of you has ever drunk has been uneven. We can't escape it, but we can improve it. Now, up on the screen, you can see different coffee grinds. Every coffee grinder produces a range of sizes of particles, larger particles, the mid-range particles, and the smaller ones. Now, each of those different sized particles will extract at a different speed. The larger ones need a lot of time to be extracted. So they're not going to be very extracted. They're down at 14, 15%. Now, those really small grinds, they're gonna be extracted really quickly. And the grinds in the middle, they'll be somewhere in between. So if we mix all of those together and extract them at the same time in the same brew, we're going to have this mix. There's gonna be over extraction, under extraction, and some flavor in the middle. Now this means that if we extract more, there's gonna be some extremely over-extracted grinds and the other two portions are gonna be moved up a little bit. And if we extract less, there's gonna be a big portion of those large grinds that are very, very under-extracted. So this unevenness doesn't allow us to get more out of our coffee. It kind of keeps us, um, keeps us limited in how far we can push that extraction. So there are lots of ways that unevenness can happen in a brew. So I'm quickly going to go through all the reasons why, and then we'll talk about uh, 
how that can be fixed. So if you're tamping unevenly, the water is going to flow through some coffee grinds more and some coffee grinds less. That's going to create an uneven extraction. You'll get over-extracted coffee and under-extracted coffee. If the baskets in your espresso machine have different sized holes, the water, once again, is going to flow through one area more than the other area, and you'll get uneven extraction. If your roasts have a very different color on the inside and the outside, that means that some of the coffee isn't going to, the water isn't going to be able to access the flavor. Um, therefore, the extraction will be less from the middle of the bean and more on the outside of the bean. So there's all these different reasons why an extraction is uneven, and all of them are kind of holding us back. So every time we improve our tamping or our distribution in the basket or our roast quality, and even the green coffee from the farms, every single time we improve that or take a step forward and make it a little bit more even, we end up making the coffee twice as good. So I'm going to explain how that works. On this screen, you have the under-extraction and the over-extraction, and in the middle, we have a band of extraction that tastes really nice. Now, those crosses on the edges are because of our unevenness. It might be because our tamp was wrong. It might be because our roast was uneven. Now, if we improve the evenness of that brew, we're going to remove some of that flavor from the edges, some of that bitterness or some of that sourness, and we're going to move that into the good zone. So every time we take a step forward, we're not just getting rid of the bad flavor, but we're increasing the concentration of the good flavors. So every time you do that, you get two steps forward. Now, I've been in coffee six or seven years, and I hate coffee because it never, ever gives me a really good opportunity to improve quality. It always seems so damn hard to get a nice increase in quality. And this seems to be the first time where one small improvement equals a doubling of the result. That's never happened before, so I'm kind of freaking out about how awesome even extractions are. It's the difference between going from an old TV set and you're watching the same movie and it's kind of grainy and it's got, it's got the, you see the plot, you've got the characters, you understand what's going on, and then you move to an HD TV with nice speakers. It's the same story, but you get so much more detail, you get so much more clarity. It's the same content, but it's so much more focused and intense and detailed. And that's the same as even extractions. So if we go back, we've got those distracting flavors, those flavors that you can get from any coffee. Bitterness and sourness aren't special. They're not specialty. We're all spending a lot of money on really delicious coffees, and then we're creating these generic, boring flavors that you can get from anywhere. And then if we step forward and improve the evenness of that extraction, we end up getting a super-focused, super-defined, transparent, and really delicious cup of coffee. So I've really been focusing on evenness a lot for the last year or so, and every time I make an improvement, the flavor becomes so much better. So let's zoom out and apply the concept of improving the evenness 
or the efficiency of an extraction and see what happens when we apply it to the world. So I've done some maths, I've done a couple of calculations, and I've tried to figure out what would happen if every cafe and barista at home or commercially in a retail environment, what if every single one of those people brewing coffee improved the evenness of their extractions and became a little bit more efficient? So instead of extracting their coffees at 18%, say everyone was at 18%, I like to just average it down to make it nice and simple. What if everyone just jumped up 2%? So they're getting the same strength cup of coffee now, but their extraction is a little bit higher because they improved the evenness. Now, how much coffee would we save? So the world produces 140 million bags of coffee every year. Well, last year. Now, 40 million bags goes to instant or soluble coffee, so we're not gonna worry about that. We're just going to focus on 100 million bags of Arabica and Robusta coffee. I'm not picky. I don't care. I just want to try and get more cups of coffee into more people's mouths. So 100, 100 million bags of coffee equals 4,800,000,000 kilograms of roasted coffee. That's a lot of roasted coffee. So that's including 20% wastage from roast and errors and you know, various problems along the way. So 20% knocked out. 4.8 billion kilograms of roasted coffee gives us 240 billion cups of coffee. So a cup of coffee is, 20, I'm, I'm averaging it out once again, is 20 grams of coffee. And so that can either be a, an espresso or a filter coffee. I'm not being picky. You can make your extractions more even on an espresso machine or with a pour over or drip coffee. Now, this is a lot of cups of coffee. But if you think about it, 240 billion cups divided by seven or so billion humans isn't that many per human. We, we need a lot more if everyone on this planet starts drinking coffee. So. If everyone improved the evenness of their extractions and extracted 2% more from all of their coffees, we would end up with another 21.5 billion cups of coffee every year. That's a massive increase in the same amount of green coffee coming from the same farms, giving us 21.5 billion more cups. So that's a total of 261.5 billion cups of coffee. You could think about it the other way. We could go back to our original number. If this was the demand around the world, Colombia could disappear off the map and we would still be able to cater to 240 billion cups. Or Colombia could go on strike, which they really like doing, and we'd still be okay. So 261.5 billion cups of coffee. So that's a lot more. Now, that's the big picture. And I know that it's probably not going to happen because that's a lot of equipment that needs to improve and a lot of people that need to be taught about this, which isn't so easy. So let's just bring it back down again, back to the cafe level, which most of us are at. 
So if you're in a cafe using 50 kilograms of coffee per week, in Melbourne, where I'm from at least, that's $1,400. That's the cost to produce, or the cost to buy that coffee. So that would usually give us 2,500 cups of coffee per week. Now, if we became more efficient and improved our extractions, we'd still be able to spend $1,400 a week on that 50 kilograms of coffee, but we would be able to make another 250 cups every week. Now, the cost of producing that extra 250 cups would also increase, so it's not just magic money that we're getting out of nowhere, but the efficiency and the cost of goods for those cups of coffees are drastically improved. So in terms of turnover uh, for a year, so this isn't just profit, this is how much more turnover do you get from that same amount of coffee. The cafe goes from $520,000 a year of coffee sales up to 572000 so that's not all profit, but it's a massive increase in efficiency once again. Now, I understand that if the whole world adopts all of these um, improvements in extraction and becomes more efficient, the big corporations aren't going to pass those savings down to the farmers. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that uh, dreamy and naive. But I know that a lot of the specialty cafes around the world, if they started to operate like this, and improved the efficiencies in their cafes and made more money from less. More money is a good thing. We shouldn't be afraid of more money. Um, making more money is a great thing uh, for lots of businesses and something that a lot of specialty coffee uh, businesses don't quite focus on enough, in my opinion. Um, they can start to use that money for good. Um, you don't have to just put it into your farmer's pockets. Um, that's not always the best answers. But it does allow us to use that extra money to focus on sustainability or to um, even use some of that money to help research for sustainability of coffee or um, direct action um, back at origin. So there's lots of things that we can do. Some people could take the profit or some people could reinvest it back into the industry. Um, it's up to you. Um, it's up to anyone in the audience. I, I can't control that. But at least thinking about extractions and thinking about your equipment and how you treat that coffee and trying to be as efficient as possible, um, maybe to make more money or maybe to help the world um, make more cups of coffee for more human beings. Um, every single time you're doing that, you're brewing local but also acting global. Thank you. Thank you. You go further to prove how much I hate you. <laughs> You're far too clever. Aren't these great? Yeah. yeah. We must thank Ty the hosts for these lovely... Taiwanese and their laser cutters. They've, they've my, mine is coming home for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, a fantastic thought-provoking presentation. Thank you. And uh, I know you wouldn't do this presentation without already be working on the answer to, to how we do no. this. We, we know you work with Malkernig. Yes. Can you tell us anything about what is coming, what the next step is, what, how, how we save all of this money? Uh, Should we get that one? 
呃，所以刚刚真的是非常棒的演讲。那我们这些东西，其实我们私底下我们有稍微讨论过了。那您是帮马康尼有在做事情，那你可不可以稍微讲一下这方面的想法 ？So grinder technology hasn't really changed in the last well since the grinder was invented. Um, it hasn't really been changed. So, at the moment,、um, a lot of grinder manufacturers around, around the world, not just Malkonig,、um, are trying to figure out how to grind coffee so that you get a much more even size of particles.、Um, nobody has all the answers yet, but now that we've really decided that that is the aim to get. Much, much more even、um, sizes.、Um, we can really start to focus and experiment and、uh, try a hundred different things, and maybe one of them will improve it.、Um, and then we move towards that as the answer.、Um, so it's going. We haven't got all of the answers yet, but、um, we definitely know that that's what we're aiming for. And、um, we have ideas, and we have some projects that are currently being run to try and improve that. For regular grinders, 呃，研磨器具的历史已经非常悠久，但是其实器材的演化，呃，近几年来其实可以说没有什么太大的进步。呃，这个这一点，不管是 Malconning 还是其他的厂商都一样，在做器材上，当然大家可能有不同的想法，可是其实之前都没有明确的目标。到了最近，我们才比较确定说，我们想要做的就是我们希望要大小均衡的颗粒，我们研磨出来，希望必须要达到这种刚刚提到均衡萃取的概念。一旦我们有了这个明确的目标，我们厂商就可以开始做各种实验、各种创新。呃，我们可能会做出一百种不同的试验方法，只要其中有一种是有效的，那我们器材就会有长足的进步。所以目前来讲，我们其实有非常非常多的人在做相关的研究，我们还没有确切的答案，到底要怎么样才能够做到我们想要做的目标？但是我们已经有了非常明确的方向。I'm going to ask you one more question before I let James on you.、Um, <laughs> uh, I ask the stupid questions, you see. He asks the clever questions.、Um, but the EK43, you're kind of quite well known for using during the、uh, WBC in 2013.、Mm-hmm. Um, is is this a more efficient way of grinding? Is this something that you've seen?、Um, because I know that you used in St. Ali as well, don't you?、Mm-hmm. Um, is it something you've seen that is more efficient than grinder other grinders you've used?、Yeah. 嗯，在让 James 问问题之前，我想要再问一个问题。我的工作都是问笨问题，那聪明的问题给 James 来问就好。呃，你在你比赛的过程中，你有使用到 EK 4 3这套机器？那你在使用的过程中，你觉得这是一套比较有效率、比较快速的机器吗？还是你的想法是如何 ？So yes,、um, at the moment, it's one of the most efficient grinders、um, that I've tried. Um, and the story that I like to tell most people is when、uh, we took the EK43 from the testing sort of room and we moved it onto the espresso bar, and we started to make、um, all of our single origin or secondary、uh, coffees with the grinder. So we kept our blend,、uh, which is our main coffee, on the normal grinders, and we moved everything else to the EK. And after a couple of weeks.、Um, 
I saw the orders email to the roastery, so when we order all of our coffee. And um, I saw it, and all the numbers were far too low. We'd never ordered so little coffee before. So I rang up the baristas and I was like, guys, you screwed up the orders, what's going on? Like, we can't run out of coffee. And they said, we have the biggest surplus of beans that we've ever had at the cafe. We had no idea how much more efficient we would be making coffee. We have kilos and kilos and kilos of beans sitting around the cafe. And I thought, right, of course, it's much more efficient. We're not wasting as much coffee. We're extracting more from less. Uh, and that was a big moment uh, for me. 呃，没错哈，我自己个人觉得这个 EK 四三是我用过最有效率的机器<咳>。那我有一个小故事，就是我当初我们在研发出来之后，我把它从实验室搬到我咖啡厅的吧台上。那放了之后呢，我就想说，我们反正把我们咖啡厅做了很多单品咖啡，呃，我们就来试用试用看看。结果过了一两个礼拜，我没有特别的去在意，可是我看到接下来我们的采购单。我们跟这个烘豆师订购的咖啡的量非常非常的低，我心里想说完蛋了，这个数量绝对不对，因为我们用的咖啡非常的多。我赶快打电话给我的咖啡师说：“哎，你们搞错了，你们这个订单要出包了，你们这样咖啡量会不够。”结果他们竟然跟我说：“哦，没有，我们的这个咖啡量剩在剩好多好多，因为我们现在咖啡研磨的更有效率了，我们的萃取能够更完整、更高。”所以说，我们现在店里面，我们还有好几公斤的咖啡，就放在那边，都还没有用到。这个时候，我才突然间猛然惊觉，这个效率的差别竟然是这么的大。所以说，没有错，这个机器确实非常有效率，而且会对你店里面产生非常大的影响。Go get him, Tiger. <laughs> I'm so. I'll say sorry now. It's a long question.、Um, listening to you talk. Reminded me of a story from the UK's coffee past, where the very the most popular filter coffee brewer brewed about 1.8 liters, and coffee suppliers would supply a pre-ground pouch, and it was the four-pint pouch, and it was about 100 grams, and over time, to be more competitive, coffee suppliers slowly decreased the amount of coffee in the pouch, didn't tell anybody. Uh, and just ground finer and finer, they、Great. became they became more efficient. Yeah. By the time I joined the industry, the 100 grams for 1.8 liters was now 45 <laughs> grams. Good. Dark roasted, very finely ground coffee. The taste was disgusting. How do we not fall into prioritizing efficiency above all because it has a very clear reward? We make more money.、Mm -hmm. How do we not fall into that trap of just being too efficient? Yeah, no way. 呃，这边我也有一个小故事我要分享，就是我们在英国的咖啡业啊，我们通常在采购咖啡的时候，供应咖啡的咖啡商呢，装袋的咖啡在过去几年有这个咖啡的量越来越少的趋势，原因就是因为他们把咖啡磨得越来越细，所以呢，他们咖啡的数量就越来越少。可是他们没有把这个秘密跟别人讲，只是你每次买发现怎么一年比一年轻。那最早的时候呢，他们一袋里面大概会装一百克，结果当我加入咖啡这一行的时候，一袋只剩下四十五克。可是做出来的咖啡量是一样的，只是它的咖啡变得磨得非常非常的精细，喝起来呢就非常非常的恶心。
。所以我想要问的就是，那我们既然有一个这么高，我们效率越高，我们的金钱回报就会越大。那我们要怎么样不受到这个金钱的诱惑，或是落入我们单纯以追求金钱跟追求效率为主，而不在乎品质的陷阱 ？That's a good one. Uh, because making more money is a very strong impetus、uh, attached to it. So, what I always teach、um, the baristas at Saint Ali is、um, a little technique where you、uh, start off brewing a coffee, and you measure the extraction, and you you taste it, and you say you always have to ask what would happen if I extracted more, and you take a step forward, and you taste it. And if the taste is still good, you might be able to go further. So take another step, and keep repeating that step until the taste isn't ideal anymore. And luckily,、um, from what I've found, the last good step, so the the area where you're just before the taste being bad, is almost always the best. So taste. Is always the most important thing with specialty coffee. It's based around taste.、Um, we're not efficiency coffee.、Um, that's a different industry. So taste first. Be as efficient as possible before taste declines, and that is always the sweet spot.、Um, but you, I have been into the cafe a number of times where the baristas were like 24 and a half percent, and I taste it, and I'm like, guys, no, okay, <laughs> like, well done, but. <laughs> We need to tone it back down a little bit.、Um, you just have to taste, I guess. This is a very good question. Because money is a very big attractor. Everyone wants to make money. My way of thinking is like this. I tell my coffee baristas that you first make coffee in the process. You first use a fixed percentage. You drink it out and have a drink. If the taste is good, you drink it higher and have a drink. If the taste is bad, you drink it lower and have a drink. 你们就不断的重复这个过程，直到你们喝到一杯说“哇，这杯咖啡的味道已经不理想了”，你就再退回你刚刚最后面的那个萃取率。那很幸运的是，我自己的经验是，通常你在那个好跟坏的界限之间，最后的那个萃取率的咖啡，同时也会是最好喝的那一杯咖啡。所以表示，你只要能够达到那个点，其实你就可以兼顾你的效率跟你的品质。那我当然也有的时候，我们自己是这样做啦。可是我也有去过一些咖啡店，进去咖啡师就端了一杯这个二十四点五趴过来说：“哎，你看我这个多有效率！”我一喝我就说：“嗯，很有效率，干得好。”可是这个味道你可能要注意一点，我们还是不要这样做吧。那所以我们还是要记住，味道才是最重要的。我们做精品咖啡，味道是一切，味道一定要好喝，这是前提。效率我们之后再谈。我们这个叫精品咖啡产业哈，不叫效率咖啡产业，也有效率咖啡产业这门生意存在，可是那个不是我们做的，所以最后还是回归到在追求味道的情况下，尽可能的提高我们的效率。谢谢。So、uh, this is your opportunity now to ask Matt a question. Has anybody got anything they'd like to ask? 好，如果任何人有问题，请提问。Wow, you're quick. Hello, thanks for giving us a, such a lovely talk. Thank you.、Um, hello, can you hear me? Yes. Right.、Um, okay, I'm going to ask a maybe you think this is a silly question. Like, let's say that you pop into a coffee shop 
and they don't use VSU refractometer, and they don't have EK43 on yep. site. And how would you suggest a barista to make sure that the cup of coffee is well extracted? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Should we just get that? Yeah. Do you want to translate that? 嗯，所以刚刚的问题如果没有听错，是说今天假设到了一家咖啡店，他们没有适当的器材，没有 VSU， 没有 EK 的机器，那这个时候要怎么样建议他们的咖啡师用正确的方式去萃取、um, ？The free things that you can do、um, are making sure that、uh, if either you're doing a filter coffee or an espresso coffee. That the coffee is distributed really evenly. So, whenever you think about brewing coffee, you have to think about it from the perspective of the coffee grinds with hot water coming over them, and you have to treat every single coffee grind exactly the same way.、Um, you have to be fair, so you have to make sure that all of them receive the same amount of water, or the water passes through them in exactly the same way. And every time. You think about it like that. You might wonder, oh, maybe this technique that I'm doing is unfair to those coffee grinds, or the water isn't touching the coffee grinds over here. So, if that's at the forefront of your mind with every technique that you do, and every movement, and every time that coffee touches water,、um, your extractions will improve. And then I have another. 呃，第一点就是在我们不多花钱的情况下，我们可以有几件事情做。就是身为咖啡师，不管你今天你在做的是 espresso， 还是你要使用的是滤纸，你都必须要站在这个咖啡研磨、在研磨咖啡的角度去思考。你必须要保持一种公平的态度，就是我对我每一颗颗粒我都要公平，我要让每一颗颗粒都接触到水，并且用同样的时间跟方法接触到水。所以，当你在充足的过程里面，你就必须思考：哎，我这样的技巧，这样充足法，是不是有某一部分的这个咖啡没有碰到水，或者某一部分的咖啡碰到水太久，或者某一部分进去的角度不对？你所要做的就是让所有咖啡尽可能的用同样的方式找呃得到萃取。如果你能够一直保持这样的想法，并且不断的去改进你充足咖啡的做法的话，你咖啡的品质就一定会提升。And the cheap things. That you can do, so not free, but spend a little bit of money.、Um, of all of them,、um, and I get no money from this. I, I, I gain nothing from you buying this, but using、uh, espresso baskets from VST、um, is the best thirty dollars per group head that you will ever spend on making an extraction more even. 那还有另外一个方法，这要花一点小钱，这不是免费的。可是我要先跟各位说，我不是在打广告，我这里面拿不到佣金。就是你可以去买 VST 的这个 Espresso 的这个粉盒，那他们这个粉盒一个大概只要卖三十块美金左右。可是这个粉盒对你的帮助会非常非常的大。Vince thanks you from the bottom of his wallet. <laughs> I'm sending Vince's kids through college. <laughs> 对， um, 我现在就在帮 VST 他们的这个小朋友付学费啊、哦。Uh, I think we've got time for one more question before we break for lunch. Has anybody got a question? Another question. 再一个问题。Um, Matt Pickett.、Um, we should make Matt pick. Oh yeah. Yeah,、Matt、the first hand、too. up in the、uh, in the pink. Yeah. Oh, 粉红色衣服的。It's actually a a question on the previous answer. So,、um, so when you speak of that, trying to get water evenly, 
onto the coffee grounds. Um, but I'm actually kind of confused because most of the things that you use with baskets or even V60s is actually uneven extraction in some ways because you always get water on the very top. And then as they travel down, that the solubility is actually changed. So the way that the grounds at the bottom touches with the water that already has solubles in them will never be the same as the one on the top. So in many ways, that even espresso works in the same way. So how do we just... Just how do we really solve the problem without really equating so much with what our preferences would be as a tasty coffee? Yeah. Um, 刚刚的问题是说，我有一点听不太懂你讲的意思。你说要这个公平均衡的对待所有的研磨咖啡，可是我们不管是用这个粉、这个粉底盒，还是我们是用任何的做法，当我们一旦注水下去的时候，水一定
a great presentation. Thank you. Um, I'm really pleased that you just said that at the end, because at least I can disagree with you on something, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I was scared we were starting to agree too much. Yeah. Um, but um, all the, that's what these talks are about, are provoking thoughts and conversation and, and starting those conversations. I think you've done a great job. Um, please, a round of applause for Matt. 好，谢谢 Matt 今天的演讲讲得非常好，而且跟观众有非常多的互动。刚刚最后一个问题就是非常好的我们要的互动方式，所以谢谢大家，谢谢大家，再给 Matt 鼓掌一次。So we're going to take a short break now, where you can get some lunch, but you are going to want to come back after lunch because I've heard the next speaker is amazing. 对，那我们要很快的休息一下，让大家吃个午餐。可是午餐过后一定准时回来，因为下一个讲者非常精彩。So see you in a little while. 谢谢。